Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. Eva Shoshone, who is a Tai Chi practitioner of decades, still a student, and also a teacher. We're going to talk about Tai Chi, the cult of Tai Chi. Do you want to address that to start off with? Sure. Okay. Um, well, maybe we'll get into the whole idea of, of cult. Um, from a different point of view. I see Tai Chi as an art. And so when a person immerses themselves in an art, they can get um, addicted, you know, kind of let it run, uh, immerse themselves and um, get in deeper and deeper and deeper because it's giving them back something that's, that's like nutrition. So when you have a lot of people who do that together and they sort of withdraw from society in order to do that, it can seem like a cult. Like even my nephew who plays a trumpet and is in a marching band, in the summer he goes to marching band competitions. And his, you know, when we talk about it, it's like that's a cult because he's so immersed in it and removed from society. You know, that's all he's doing for weeks at a time. He's in the school bus traveling from place to place, and all these other kids are doing the same thing. It's, it's a phenomenon. So, like, for myself, I've put, you know, I've gone to classes multiple nights a week, plus all morning on Saturday, for 30 years now. And devoting that kind of time to something that... Um, again, is a little removed from society, right? It's, it's like there's only a certain number of people there and not everyone else. There's a whole lot more people who aren't there who don't do that with their evenings and Saturday mornings. So it can seem like it's a cult. And I've, I've had people ask me, you know, is this a cult? And it isn't. And neither is what my nephew's doing. Um, it's just something that I have a lot of uh, energy for, and that other people have a lot of energy for, and and put a lot of devotion into, just like my nephew does with his music. So, I think an art form can use a lot of a person's uh, devotion and give back something that then nourishes them, and. It's like there's food, there's sleep, there's water, things that you absolutely need to survive. And then for some, some of us, like myself, I need inspiration to survive. 
because I can tend to, to physically be sluggish. I can tend to mentally be pessimistic, you know, emotionally be pessimistic. And the connection to Tai Chi brings me to um, a, a more neutral state, for one. Uh, you know, it's meditation, which allows a clearing of whatever it is I'm carrying with me. And that feels really good and healthy and necessary, because otherwise I get kind of more cumulatively weighed down by what I'm carrying in my head and my heart. And I like to cleanse that. And um, work on, you know, a, a more positive attitude emerges and the inspiration is the fuel. So what I find in Tai Chi is um, I find a lot of reassurance in mimicking nature with the movements. So the movements are in time with the breathing. Um, the element that we emulate is water. And that, that natural path of water to go where gravity takes it that I can do that with my own body, that I can find those skills that, for example, like an infant breathes abdominally without learning to do that. That's how we're born, right? But over the years, that changes, and a lot of stuff gets stored in the body, and there's a lot of clenching going on with memories, with traumatic events, with accidents with um, whatever happens to us as we as we get older we become a storage house of a lot of stuff and some of it doesn't move it just stays and gathers uh, you know becomes like an energy block and so learning to breathe more fully changes the energy gives it a bigger path to flow in the body. And for someone like me, that's like a tremendous uh, revelation to find out that I can do that myself. You know, I don't need drugs, I don't need alcohol, I don't need chocolate. Um, I, can, I can change my own energy. I can tap into something that brings me to a state um, that I feel my own spirit rising and being engaged. And that feeling of knowing that my spirit is alive and well and wants to be raised um, helps me, you know, for the other 20, 23 hours of the day or, or, or 22, you know. And again, regular practice for me is really important because I do forget very easily, just like in push hands. I know that it's to my own benefit to not use force. And I love the philosophy behind that. I love proving that it works, that using softness rather than force, that the softer um, person in push hands is going to prevail. I love the idea that softness works. That's like... What could be more wonderful than proving that force is um, 
you know, force bullying, that it, it simply isn't where, where real power comes from. It's not, it's not an expression of real power. It's a cover-up. Real power is uncovering. I love that. I love being in my classes, seeing demonstrations that prove that every day, and making teeny-weeny little bits of progress to feel it in my own body. Yes, force is a form of power, but so is the absence of force. And in the absence of force, there's a more mental focus, which is penetrating into the other person, um, which is about following their energy and being alert and aware and being willing to move out of the way. So it's about controlling myself, not controlling the other person. So I can succeed in, in neutralizing your push when I move out of the way correctly, and I can succeed at taking advantage where you're off balance by following you with tremendous sensitivity. So I see these things and feel these things happening all the time in my classes, and it's like um, Kornfeld said about enlightenment, you know, first enlightenment, then the laundry, or first the laundry, then, it, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't last. And so the laundry still has to be done, meaning I still have all that uncovering to continue to do to get into a more relaxed state and maintain that. So my breathing is naturally lower and my um, alertness is higher and my use of force is less at the surface, right? So it's like, it's like working with instinct. The instinct is fight or flight. But the baby isn't afraid, right? The infant doesn't have those, those fears to, you know, they're, they're so innocent. And so that state of relaxation to peel away some of those layers of, of fear and whatever those hardnesses are um, that have collected to, to congest the system. Tai Chi is uh, a, a laboratory to, to decongest, to melt what's frozen inside, get the circulation going, and clear, clear the clutter, the internal clutter, the psychic clutter, which is tremendously healthy. So, you know, there's a lot of different levels that people practice at. So for me, I find that I'm connecting to what I would call spirit. I feel like I'm raising my own spirit. I feel like I'm clearing my mind. I feel like I'm working, working the body, specifically working the legs. So the legs are doing the work, giving the torso a chance to relax and the vital organs inside to dangle and slosh against each other rather than be cemented. And for some people, they may just like being quiet for an hour in class. That was certainly a huge draw for me. I mean, I knew I needed exercise. I thought I, I wanted meditation, but I went 
shopping, so to speak, for what kind of exercise was going to work for me. And I went to Jazzercise, which I hated. Felt like it was just like being at work, you know, very noisy, um, rah rah, come on, you know, let's get it done, that kind of thing. And it's like, hey, I've been doing that all day long. I need something different at the end of the day. And I loved how quiet it was. And I loved that the goal was relaxation. I mean, I didn't know what that meant. You know, it's like, great idea, but what does that mean? I knew I needed to relax, and that I didn't know how, but um, what an adventure to to follow that, um, what sounded like a real good thing, to, to follow it and learn more about it. And there's plenty to learn. So that's why I'm still there. And uh, teaching is really just a part of learning. Martin is your teacher? Martin Inn is my teacher. Um, and the school is called the Inner Research Institute. It's in San Francisco. And uh, <clears throat> one of his students was my beginning teacher for the first few months. And then after learning the basics, so some warm-up exercises and learning the 37 postures that make up the Yang style short form. Once a beginner has gone through that cycle, which takes roughly nine months to a year, depending on the pace of the class, and there's, there's kind of an organic pace to each beginning class, they're never the same, um, then that class merges with the bigger group called Advanced, and that Martin was teaching that class. And so after about a year, Martin became my teacher, and um, I never left because it just really captured my imagination. I, I loved, um, it just felt like there was a lot of magic going on that I resonated with. You mentioned at the beginning you consider Tai Chi an art form. Right. <clears throat> what are the mediums of Tai Chi? Hmm. Well, your body is the instrument, your energy. So, first of all, like, what is your energy? You know, we don't talk about that. We talk about health. We talk about how do you feel. Um... But energy is, you feel energy, right? Like a friend of mine said, when the warriors lost, this is the Golden State Warriors, and she lives in the East Bay, when the warriors lost, she totally knew it without watching the news. It was like, you could feel it on the street, wherever she went. You know, she walked out of her house, she's like, oh, the warriors lost. So energy is something that we understand. Like, um, you know, Cesar Milan, the guy who does the dog whisperer on TV, mm -hmm. so he talks about energy a whole lot. He talks about the animal reading the person's energy and knowing what's going on in very simple and clear terms, whether the person knows it or not. Because we have a lot of filters on energy. And so thinking can, you know, we doubt ourselves a lot. And we um, 
just make things really complicated a lot of times. So sometimes you just don't know what you're thinking. Like, should I go right? Should I go left? Why? So the art, getting back to your question, is developing in your body, cultivating your energy. And, and, and I would say if there's a, another way to articulate that or, or illustrate a parallel, it's cultivating your intuition so that you learn to trust yourself more. So you know you feel right, you feel left. Take the right if that's, you know, so you can, you can sense in yourself where to go next and, and believe in it and not spend as much time as you did before waffling back and forth. Well, if I do this, if I do that, just sensing more naturally your own direction, your own decision-making process so it's cleaner, smoother, less, less inhibited, and more effective. And you, you learn by results. So like being in business for all those years, you know, tremendous amount of trial and error. Being on the floor doing push hands a million times, same thing. You learn what works and what doesn't. And you, you break down the, um, the unit of response into smaller and smaller and smaller units so that your responsiveness is greater over time in much smaller units. So you have less to lose by following your intuition and keeping it alive moment to moment, dot to dot, so that you can see, did it work? and build on what's working and nix what isn't working and constantly readjust. So that's the alertness and the effectiveness that I feel like is, is a product of studying this art. And it's, it applies to everything in life, so it's tremendously useful. Um, a recent celebrity in the rock world took his life, and it's been something I've been meditating on a lot um, and part of right now I have in mind that that choice was a path that was followed to the choice it, one doesn't wake up in a moment and decide to take their life as you're saying there's a series of incremental choices that bring one to that place and you were talking earlier, for instance, that you recognize in yourself your own fears, the own negative emotions, for lack of a better word. Right. I mean, I'm no expert on, um, you know, on, on suicide. Um, so it's, it's, it's not a subject that, um, uh, luckily, not not terribly familiar with. But... Being stuck energetically can create a lot of aberrations. The ultimate aberration is losing losing your will to live or deciding that it's okay to harm others. Um, so... What is balance? What is what is psychological balance? 
what is physical balance? Um, how do you create that situation? For me, I feel that Tai Chi has helped me bring my imbalances into a better place. Um, so this person who took his own life, what was he doing to bring his uh, polarized feelings, let's say, a zest for life, you know, someone who's skilled, who has, is a performer, I don't know who you're talking about, but someone who has a big public presence and then takes their own life. So a lot of people have polarized um, conditions. A lot of performers have polarized conditions uh, in, in their daily life right like it's really fun to be on stage and it really sucks the rest of the time and they can't put it together and at some point they just say the hell with this you know i can't deal with it anymore and and they also have like tremendously unhealthy lifestyles that don't support balance or or any any kind of wholeness right they just go further and further down a path of um being deprived really of what they need and you get sick of the pain enough you just want to get it over with so I think this this is a um, a very nice tool to teach yourself that when you work at it you can actually improve your psychology you can improve your your mental state and make it more positive. I mean, that's certainly been my experience. I think I used to feel a lot more like a victim, a lot more trapped by what was going on in here and the messages I was giving myself, and less so now. It, you used the term ar ar aberration, ar aberration. 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 Is that a term common in communication within Tai Chi? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I mean, energetically, yes. So, one thing about Tai Chi that's really neat is how it, it's very parallel to Chinese medicine. So the way that acupuncture will calm excess and boost deficiency is very similar to how Tai Chi works, which makes sense. They have the same philosophical and cultural source. And so, um, um, <laughs> getting a little distracted over there. Um, so, in Tai Chi, excuse me, in acupuncture, you will consider excess and deficiency and aberration. In other words, they're, they're going away from the center and towards polarization. So when you have that in your own body, <clears throat> it's almost like dis dissociation in your own body. And the treatment of Chinese medicine will bring that more into harmony. So Tai Chi does the same thing. So the aberration is the stuck energy. Do you think it's possible to have a state of ecstasy 
in a healthy manner? That's a really good question. Um, I think I think it is, and at the same time, I think that's that's potentially another addiction. And then reactiveness about not being in that state. It's sort of like, you know, overeating or overindulging in sweets. So you may eat something and and really love the experience and therefore want to hold on as opposed to honor the moment and allow the moment to pass and be willing to find out what happens next. And, and not necessarily try and rate everything. Now everything has to match this moment. Um, so I think Tai Chi is a, a subtractive process where you're, again, you're uncovering natural skills of mimicking nature, like rooting into the ground, having your center of gravity low and not high, being more relaxed, um, breathing more deeply, uh, releasing inside and not being so fearful and and um, tense, releasing tension. So you're recovering a lot of your natural skills by scraping layers away that are in the way. So this thing about trying to hold on to ex like prolong ecstasy. So if, if you have an ecstatic experience, holding on to it is sort of like blocking what's coming next. So they're, you know, allowing for a natural ebb and flow and not being judgmental about it. Like, oh, now that I know what ecstasy is, the, the hell with everything else, you know, I just have to seek ecstasy the whole time. Um, that's that's really just another problem, not a solution. So being present requires change, requires allowing change, welcoming change, accepting change, and doing the best you can with each moment. I think that's that's where acceptance and being present have power is that you use everything in your ability to do the best you can at every moment, not just sometimes, not just in certain situations, but you see how powerful it is to be awake all the time. And that awakeness, that alertness, that rays of spirit, I think makes you more open to an ecstatic experience because more of your own energy and where you place yourself will be in greater harmony. And so you're promoting good health all the way around. If you're lucky, that will bring you some healthy ecstatic experience. I mean, I think you... you have like a positive avalanche where more parts of your life are helpful and not hurtful. Do you think that Tai Chi has helped your mindset 
to be more at peace with challenges because in a greater picture you see this is actually a seed of growth. Well, I think that the thing that's really cool and that and that has helped my mindset more than anything is the idea of constant training to be lighter, less forceful, less stuck, so that there's a more um, more openness to what's coming next. There's less screens in the way of this is going to be awful. I can't do this because I hate it. You know, I I I can't. I won't. It's not going to work. You know, those messages, those limiting messages, I think are are freed up a little bit more. So there's less um, of a burdensome feeling about approaching new things. I mean, I'm still the same person. What about the burden of the tried and true? Because I find that as a challenge for myself. Let's take as an example yoga. I've been practicing yoga for many years. There's times I wake up in the morning and the thought of going to practice is a burden. There's, do you find that true for yourself? Well, I do. And yet, the thing that makes a practice a practice is that you do it whether you feel like it or not. And you find out by doing it why it's worth it. So, it doesn't really... I don't consider it a failing to have a bad attitude in the car. I don't want to get in the car. I don't want to fight traffic. You know, I don't feel like it today. I think those feelings are, are, you know, that's fine. But to not dwell on it so much and to go anyway, that's where the difference is. And, And I think that's a difference between a certain psychological state and another. Now, ultimately, if there's less of that playing those tapes since I'm going anyway I might as well enjoy it being in the car and whatever um, you know over time that gets better do you have this is like sort of a left turn but I think it could be important for someone who's new to the thought of Tai Chi as a student and also as a teacher do you have advice for someone who's just starting out for things to be aware of in choosing a teacher that would help them get a nice, like like you talk a lot about roots, so if we're planting a seed to give fertile ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think it's very obvious uh, to feel whether you're in the right place or not, whether this is for you. Um, it's like, you know, your sense of smell. There's certain things that smell good to you. Um, there's an energy that you either feel at home with um, or not. And I certainly felt that way in the school when I walked in there the first time. I felt like I was in the right place. And like I said, I'd been, I'd, I'd gone to several. So I've also heard people say they called on the phone and they heard Martin's voice and they felt like, wow, I want to go to... I want to go see what what this teacher is all about. Um, watching him do the form, it's like, wow, what is he doing? How is he doing that? 
It's very intriguing to me. I was intrigued the first time I saw it. And not so at Jazzercise. That was like, get me out of here. So I think it's very obvious to people when they're... You know, I, I watched it with uh, the clothing at Open Studio. When somebody put something on that I made that worked for them, they didn't want to take it off. So there was some kind of resonance, and that's an energetic thing. So I think just go, don't stop until you, don't settle for less. Go un, go to the teacher that you you feel that bond with. Earlier you said the other 22, 23 hours of the day. I took that to mean you have an hour practice and then there's the rest of the day. Well, the class, the, the one class is an hour. I usually go for multiple classes. So I was actually just quoting something from right. from writing where it was like, okay, so you took the class, what about the other 23 hours in the But day? part of what I'm wondering about is the state of sleep. That's a part of that 24-hour cycle. Is sleep a practice? Um, do you mean, is there a connection between how you sleep, like how I sleep, in connection to my Tai Chi practice? I think I mean more... Can one bring consciousness to the state of sleep? Uh, it's a great question. Um, again, that's that's not something I feel like I, I I can really address with any level of education. Uh, from experience, I think falling asleep and the quality of sleep has changed for me. Again, because of being mentally obsessed more so before, you know, where I would have things from work, for example, going through my head and, and I just wouldn't be able to stop the mental um, obsession, really, you know, obsessing on, on the same things, typically things that weren't working, things that were bothering me. I just go over them and over them and over them and over them and feel awful, and it would prevent me from sleeping. So that condition has greatly improved, and I can, again, take more responsibility for my mental hygiene and clear more of the noise when something's bothering me so that I can sleep. Nothing more is coming to mind. Okay. Is there anything more that you have in no, mind? No, I think that was good. All right. All right, great. Thanks for your time. Sure, absolutely. And I can push any part of your right. like, arm, your body. Right. Okay. So my ward off is helping me. It's like my shield. Okay. So this is, this is a perfect example. So you see the energy coming up. So what Tai Chi teaches you... So when you go up... <laughs> so you could do that too? You could grab yeah. your... Okay. So the thing is, right. so when your energy comes up, you are more brittle. So think about when we get old and we are in the aging process, a lot of people lose their connection to the ground. And they're top-heavy, 
and fragile. So this is the opposite. This is about connecting to the ground like a tree. So one of the biggest compliments you can give someone in Tai Chi is you have good root. But it doesn't come easy. You don't just say that because you like the person. But you have to earn it by sticking to the ground, growing into the ground. So see how this is a little stiff? That's actually not going to help you. So you want to be like water. So when you feel like you're prioritizing using force over other things, you have to stop. But can you stop yourself? Ooh, that was good. <laughs> it's a beautiful